Hey, frazzled women. Welcome, type A's, imposters, and overscheduling addicts. This is yet another episode of Le Vital Core Salon, and I am your host and salionaire, Kara Martin Snyder. And each episode, for those of you who aren't familiar with the show, my job is to introduce you to what I like to say radical women, radical modern women who are out in the world kicking ass, taking names, and not letting bullshit or burnout slow them down. Today, I have the amazing Pam Victor on the show. And Pam will describe herself as the head of happiness at Happier Valley Comedy in Western Mass. However, as someone who lived in Western Mass for five years, I would probably call her the queen of improv in the non-New York Northeast. I think when we tend to think of something like improv, you think of New York, you think of Chicago, maybe you think of the West Coast. But Pam has created this whole thriving community in Western Mass connected through improv. And it was two of my good friends that both know Pam and helped us sort of connect ourselves, which is remarkable that we hadn't. But we get to sit down today and yes, we will talk a lot about improv. It has been a humongous part of her life and I I dare say a transformative part of her life for the last, I don't know, I think 13 years so we're going to talk a lot about improv, and if you're a type A planner like me, the idea improv just kind of freaks me out, but I have to say, stick with this show. I was so shocked as a host how similar the work that Pam is doing and that I'm doing, at least in terms of mindfulness and believing that you're enough and really looking at the itty bitty shitty committee or as as she talks about Calvin uh, the voices in our head that just are so non-compassionate and so uber judgmental so we'll talk about lots of things like that and surprising things that help Pam keep her show on the road and and keep things going and just really there's so much to learn it, it there was for me it, and i hope there'll be as much to learn and take away for all of you so without any further ado let's go to the interview hey pam welcome to the vital core salon how are you today i'm doing great thank you so much for having me this is awesome because i know a in a past episode with Sally Eckes, she name-dropped you several times, and now I'm actually getting to talk to you. I know. I was listening to that episode yelling at my in my car saying, I did, wait, I want to say my part. <laughs> <laughs> so, Pam, just so everyone listening, Wait, we, we should name-drop Sally Eckes a couple more times, though. Let's make sure we do that, okay? Yeah, like, let's get him in. Sh- Sally, 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 all- Sally, 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 Sally. <laughs> I call her Sally the Great. Ooh, she's my organizer of joy, but I call her my joy organizer for my company. <laughs> That's an awesome title. You, you every everybody gets to make up their own titles in my company. So, and you are the the head of happiness, and I, I would I would probably say the the chief improviser. It, we we could say that. Yes, <laughs> uh, my official title is head of happiness. Yeah, and that's at Happier Valley Comedy in Western Mass. Maybe for people listening that don't have much experience with improv, you can just give a little 
quick definition, I know that's a huge question that I'm asking, of what improv is and what you do as an improviser. And then tell us a little bit about what Happier Valley comedy is. Sure. Well, improv is, if you've seen Whose Line Is It Anyway, uh, that TV show, that is one version of improvisation. It's called short form improv where they do games and there's no script. So the, the basic rule of improvisation, no matter what you see, is there is no script at all. Um, so anytime you get up without a script, you are improvising. And if you're thinking right now, hey, wait, that's life. We never have scripts. That is correct. Life is improv. But as far as improv comedy, um, we, there are the short form games like you'd see on whose line is it anyway. And then there's also this other branch of it called long form improvisation. And that's where we take a suggestion from the audience at the top, right? Because we have no script. So we need a little bit of inspiration. Sometimes, sometimes we don't. Um, and then based on that, uh, suggestion, a number of different things can happen, but in short, we improvise a tiny little, either a scene or a little play. Uh, it just depends on the structure that we're using. I have one show called that I invented called shrink where Freud meets funny. And so (laughs) we improvise two weeks of therapy sessions in that one. No uh, way. Yeah, there are all different ones. We have ones that we have people come up. Like if you ever came around uh, when we were doing a show, we'd totally want to have you for something called an Armando where we'd have you do a little, the audience would give you something, a subject, and you just talk anything you want for a couple minutes on it. And then the improvisers use that as inspiration for a series of scenes. So that's a different kind of uh, long-form improvisation. But in short, it's unscripted theater. That's usually funny. Pam, as I listen to that, I'm actually sort of trembling and feel my stomach go funny. Because even though you described life as improv, the the kid in me that had a Franklin planner by like, I don't know, sixth <laughs> or seventh grade is like, what? You get up in front of people with literally just a seedling of an idea and go. Well, and, and, and I'm a Franklin planner gal too. Like my, when I was... I think I was eight, like my joy was planning, writing a schedule for the vacation week, like 8 a.m., watch Captain Kangaroo, 8.30, <laughs> like seriously, that, ride your bike, you know, and I, and of course, like by 2 p.m., I'd given up on it because I wanted to do what I wanted to do, but that was my joy. Uh, so I totally get it, and a lot of people on my team also are uh, type A planners, and that is the kind of the beauty of it because we get to be in this space where we can let go of that. And we say that improv is acting without a net, but the truth is that we are trained, um, and these improv exercises that I teach, they train us to be prepared for that. So actually we have this huge net, and it's each other, because the improv training is to support each other to be in agreement and acceptance with the reality of what's happening right now and how we can move forward together with that. So I know that anything I suggest on stage is going to be picked up and run with uh, any improviser. It's, it's actually pretty dang joyous, I have to say. That is fantastic. And I, I think what you've shared so far begs the probably obvious question is how did a Franklin planner loving kid who <laughs> scheduled the front half of her day at least go from that to find an improv? Good question. I mean, the, my first 
introduction to it was I grew up uh, for most of my growing up in Michigan for the first 12 years, and I found myself at a wonderful school called Roper, uh, Roper School. It used to be called Roper City and Country School, a very fancy name uh, for a, uh, just a fantastic school that was supposed to be for gifted kids, uh, though my mother assured me that I was merely above average when I started, <laughs> when I went. <laughs> And, the, and Roper was founded by two uh, German survivors of the Holocaust and based on the premise that children can control their own learning if given the freedom and the resources. So I, it, back in the day, like you didn't have to go to class. Teachers were called by their first names. There were couches in the classrooms, no grades. You know, it was, it was one of those. And this is 1978 when I went there in seventh grade. Um, so it was just this... It was a, we call it like an island of, of outcast toys or whatever. It's where it saved my life. It saved a lot of people's lives. Uh, so I found myself there during a turbulent period of my childhood. And one of the classes was theater. And I thought, I, I was terrified um, of that little theater I had done before that. But I was sort of reinventing myself at the ripe age of 12 or 11. And so I signed up for it and she did improv and she, we did a lot of improv, um, of the newlywed game. And as a seventh grader interested in boys, amazing. that, that was so much fun for me. Uh, so that was all I had. uh, I associated with improv. I never did it again. They didn't really have it, uh, widely available like they do now. Like if you go to a college campus, you will find an improv team. Um, if you go to most, a lot of high schools have improv teams, right now. But it wasn't like that. At that time, it was sort of this quiet, hidden little theater cousin that you could only find uh, in Chicago and maybe New York um, and maybe LA, uh, San Francisco, a tiny bit. So then when my daughter, my younger child was, I always like to say when she was toilet training, because uh, that brings her, <laughs> she hates that. I've said that on stage. Yeah, she hates it. And it, it, hey, you know what? When you have kids, that's your superpower is embarrassing your kids. And I got, <laughs> I got to use it. And you so, know, I talk about poop all the time. So it's I really do. no skin off yeah. my back. <laughs> you take it to a new level. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so when she was toilet training, I was like, freedom. And I was at the big Y, which was the super, which is a supermarket around here. And I saw an ad for an improv class. And I was like, I want to get out of the house for two hours every week. And I took it. I took the class. Um, and I, it was immediate. I was just like, this is it. I just knew. And improv is like that, Kara. If you take it, and you you would love it too, it's just, oh, and you can't stop doing it. So <laughs> I convinced the entire, I said to the teachers uh, when the class was over after six weeks, I said, um, if I get enough people, will you teach the next level? And they're like, okay. You know, they didn't have to do any advertising. I rounded up a bunch of people. I made like three quarters of class take it again. Uh, so we took the next level, and then I made them teach a, my, a master class, because after two classes, <laughs> I was clearly a master. And then, I know. I you living. are now. So, so you <laughs> earned that title. Now I am. Uh, and then, then I couldn't believe it, but they didn't invite, the teachers were, had the only troop in the area, and they didn't invite me to be part of their troop, which I, like, how could, I had, to, I had like 10 weeks of improv under my belt. Um, so why they wouldn't want me, I couldn't understand it. So I was at my library, a tiny little library, and I'm talking about improv because when you get addicted to something, that's what you do. 
And I said to the librarian, yeah, we could do an improv show here. And she said, great. How's October 18th? And I was like, ah, that would be awesome. Let's do it. Put it on the calendar. And I walked outside and I was like, holy shit, I don't have an improv team. I, <laughs> I, don't, I just booked a gig. I don't have a troupe. <laughs> so I ran to class uh, that week and I like scouted out the number of people. Like I just, this group of people that I was like, these are the people I would want on board. And there were two people that I was like, if they can't do it, it's not going to happen. Um, Laura, Patrick, and Miley Scholl. And I just begged them, please, 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 I booked this gig. Will you do this with me? We'll figure something out. Who the hell knows what we're going to do? And they said yes. And the awesome thing is, what well, that was 13 or 14 years ago, and they're both still improvising with me. We're all doing a show together um, on Sunday, in fact, at the Academy of Music. So they, and I decided at that time, the people I enjoyed improvising with the most were women. There, you, you have to be an amazingly adept communicator and collaborator uh, and listener. And it's like, it's not just listen. I want to invent some new word like lechakna. I don't know, something like that. <laughs> that means like the deepest level of listening, right? Like, yes. Uh, I, yeah, I do these, this thing called the chakras of listening, right? Because I'm tr- always trying to break it down into parts. Uh, so I found that women were really exceptional listeners uh, compared to the men who happened to be in that class at that time. And so we started, uh, and because the library was our first gig, we started the Ha Ha Sisterhood. And what an awesome name. Yeah. And now we're just the Ha Ha's because it just got too laborious to be, to be, we kept being called the Yaya's or people would be like, <laughs> can I come to the show? I'm a man. Um, and that was annoying. Uh, so now we're the Ha Ha's and uh, pretty much I just kept booking gigs. I just kept putting us out there. Uh, I'm just relentless when it comes to filling my improv Jones. Yes. And you know what what really stuck out to me as I was prepping for this interview and, again, stalking you, which is what Mm -hmm. I do with all my guests. I I love being stalked. That's just stalking is another way of saying I love you. That is that's going to be my new (laughs) excuse now. (laughs) That is absolutely going to be my new excuse But what really stuck out to me, like when you describe yourself as relentless, I was like shaking my head going, hell yeah. Yeah. Because your your business, Happier Valley Comedy, actually completely started out as an experiment. And I went back to your blog posts. I think there were like 20 plus of them. And I couldn't stop reading them because you you had started. And I think it was, you can tell me if I got this right or not, like the great, can I make a living doing this thing I love or doing what I love experiment. Yeah, it's called the Can I Make a Living Doing What I Love Experiment, um, which everybody told me was too long a title. And I told them, fuck you, it's my blog. I can make whatever I want. <laughs> like, Don't read it if you don't like it. <laughs> so can you tell everyone listening what that experiment was? And I, I say the nutshell version, but there are so many good, good pieces. So I may I may fire some more questions. But can you lay down the context for us? Yeah. So I was just coming off of 10 years of homeschooling my son. Um, so I'd homeschooled my daughter for five of those years. I homeschooled my son for 10 years. I was teaching at the same time because I have my master's in elementary ed. Uh, I am by trade an elementary school teacher, improvising all that time and still producing shows. But that was my main focus. Oh, and then I wrote a couple books in there also. Because like, why do just one thing? So... <laughs> Why sleep? Why sleep? Who needs sleep when you could be burnt out? 
so um, he was going, my son went to, went out, was going off to college, and I knew I could either go back to being an elementary school teacher, or I could take a year for this experiment. And I said to my husband, who is, he's learning improv now, but it was not at that time an improviser, and, but, but still says yes to everything like a good improviser should, <laughs> or at least embodies the spirit of yes, uh, I should say. Because you don't have to say yes to everything if you're an improviser. But uh, anyway, so I said, can I take, it, it would be okay with you if I took a year to do this experiment where I try to make a living solely through improvisation. Uh, and it was like anything. That could mean anything. Teaching classes, doing shows, writing about it, editing. I, like, I didn't know what that meant. Um, I also knew, oh, and I set a dollar goal for that. Uh, so I did a goal of $16,000 in a year from August, uh, I think it was August 2014 to August 2015. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I so I, 2014. Right. So I said, can I make uh, $16,000, which was the, po- which was the poverty line for a family of two. Uh, we're a family of four, but I don't know. It seems <laughs> I like, like you just chopped off the kids for that, that accounting. <laughs> well, it's like, so because it's like, that's a piddly amount for some people, but f- to make a living through improv, that's a lot. For That seemed like a lot, especially if you're living outside of a big city, as I do. I live in western Massachusetts. So I didn't know, and I still don't know anybody outside of a big city who makes a living through improv. And the people, even the people I know who live in big cities through improv uh, and make a living through improv, I can probably count on all my fingers and toes uh, in the United States. It's just not something that's done. But I went for it anyway. And it, it, it sort of worked out. I hustled my ass off. I left no stone unturned. So I did shows, produced shows. I started teaching classes. And I started the Through Laughter program, um, which is a corporate development program, uh, training using improvisation. So we use improv to teach all these great skills like team building and communication and collaboration, innovation, creativity, um, resilience training. I use that in businesses to help them out. Um, And doing, at the same time, personal development, which is the other branch of the Through Laughter program. So I would teach mindfulness um, and stuff like that. Now you're talking sexy to me, Pam. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. We're going to go there. We're going there, baby. We're so going there. (laughs) So that, that's what I did. I just hustled my ass off and um, it kind of worked out. I made the $16,000 in a half a year. In, um, I was going to say in record time. Like you had yeah. set that as an annual goal and then you nailed it. Yeah. And it's not, that was before taxes. <clears throat> so. <laughs> <laughs> and before expenses. Yes. Yeah. Nothing. I didn't have a company. It was just like me doing shit. And then I would just record every dollar that came in. Um. So, yes, that, that's how I made it in that time. And then I'd sound like I don't think I doubled it that year. <laughs> I think I make, I still make about that same amount um, right now because uh, now I'm running this company. Uh, so, we, like, I kept doing it. I, I, it. The year ended and I was like, uh, I was teaching a couple classes at the end of that year. And I was like, well, I'm going to re up uh, and try again. So now it's at the end of two or three years. Uh, my company teaches six classes a week. Um, and, and I usually teach about three of those. It's a multi-level school that we're running now. Whereas before I was like, I'll teach one class. And then they're like, I don't want to stop. So I said, great, what would you like to learn next? So I would teach that. 
now it's levels. So I have level, they call it the Zen of improv, the Zen of improv level one, the Zen of improv level two, level three and level four. And then we have an advanced improv program. There's like 12 different classes. And I have a dean of comedy school, Scott Braidman, uh, my man, and he runs the school for me. I have an assistant. Uh, I have Sally who helps me out. I have uh, Angela Lucier, who's my business consultant. My friend Jim is another uh, business manager. So yeah, I, I, strangely enough, I never wanted to run a company, um, but here I am. <laughs> That's amazing. And I, I have to laugh. You have two of my favorite women in the universe on your sort of board helping to I'm run like, your company, which is amazing that this is the first time that we're actually talking. I don't know how we hadn't run across each other already. I know. I know. It's funny. It's, <laughs> I kept Every time I heard you say stuff, I was like, why are we not best friends yet? <laughs> we yeah. certainly both swear enough. Just that alone will we'll, oh, yeah. we'll do fine. Oh, I've been holding back. Uh, yeah, I, I'm so lucky. I have gratitude daily for my team. Um, and you don't know Scott Braidman, but you would also love him. I just love the people on my team. My new assistant, Victoria, starts on Tuesday, and she's a she just graduated from Smith College, which is my alma mater. So I have high hopes that she's going to be another astounding woman. Uh, she does love herself a bullet point, so I know it's going to work out. Um, yeah, yeah great. that's always a great quality in an assistant. <laughs> like you're able to organize things in bullet points. Yeah, it's such a telling thing. Yeah, how do you feel about a to-do list? And she was, her, her eyes lit up. I'm like, hired, <laughs> hired. You're my gal. Uh, but that's that's been a whole learning learning curve too. Uh, you know, managing people and and doing all that crap. Yeah, it's a it's a whole different animal. Oh, good grief! It's a whole different animal. And it's taken me. I think I spent I spent about I'm just over that hump. But it, for the first year. I couldn't stop being pissed off that I was running a company. <laughs> <laughs> Which part of it really set you off? Uh, all of it. <laughs> the math mo- is the thing I hate the most. Like anything related to math, uh, that fucking drives me crazy. I hate <laughs> I have to do math. Uh, so and it doesn't, I have this weird relationship with money. Uh, so that I'm working through uh, with my therapist, but um, it's like, and, and I think a lot of women do, it doesn't, yes. it doesn't feel meaningful to me. It's hard for me to ask my worth. I, my brain shuts off anytime someone starts talking about money to me. Um, so fortunately my husband is also the treasurer of my company. And so he's really great when he sees me, like I have about a three minute threshold and then he's like, okay, I'll take it from here. <laughs> like Very before the glaze just sets in, right? Yeah. Or I start getting pissed off. Yeah. It's really, so that's the part that's not enjoyable. Um, m- managing people is challenging and, um, you know, I'm used to being a mom, but being a mom to hundreds of people, you know, sometimes people don't want to, th- this sounds obnoxious, but sometimes people don't want to think and they want you to do your, their thinking for you, which is fine if it's one person saying, what time does st- class start today when it's on the website? But when it's, I get 50 emails that are, what time does class start today? Do we have class next week? Hey, would you mind if I came 10 minutes? You know, and all that little <laughs> stuff or, you know, all that tiny stuff. It's just like, just oh, look at the website. <laughs> Just figure it out. 
<laughs> I love my students. I love my students. I swear I love them so much. Uh, and I love the people I work with. But it's that, some, that kind of stuff. And, and you'll appreciate this, I bet. Um, when people can't get it done right, kind of drives me crazy. Yes, I totally understand that. Yeah. And it's, it's challenging. I mean, I'm, I've managed people in the past. I've been managed. Now I'm sort of my own entity. It is a completely different animal having to, it's always a funny thing. And and when I was back in public accounting, which, you know, I was hearing you talk about math and I'm like, I wonder if Pam realizes I was a CPA for 12 years in the good old (laughs) Commonwealth of Massachusetts. Um, I don't, I don't hate other people doing math. I love other people doing math. (laughs) But it was, it was funny because I noticed there's there's this thing like when you get promoted, it's like you're doing a really bang up job and you keep getting promoted and then they keep taking away the parts of the job you were actually good at and forcing you to kind of go down this other path. And it's, you know, and it's a lot of pressure sometimes. Like you're, to your point, it's like being a mom to hundreds. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I, sometimes I just am crying. I'm just like, I just want to improvise. I just want to teach improv. (laughs) It's all I want to do is teach improv. Yeah, I mean, and I have to say, I'm completely grateful. I don't want to sound like a stupid, you know, person who's not an ungrateful person. I am. I'm so grateful. I love my job. I love the people I work with. um, And I love most of all teaching improvisation. But there are there are the growing pains. And I want to thank you for kind of talking about that because, you know, everyone looks at titles or when you're looking at LinkedIn and you see, you know, your best friend from eighth grade got some fancy schmancy new title you're like, that's awesome. But really, they might be sitting in their office going, oh, shit, what am I supposed to be doing right now? Yeah, that's how I feel all the time. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) I'm right there with you. Like, I think like even before I start, even just one piece of my business, like recording this podcast, say there is that moment like, is this going to go okay? Am I going to record this all right? You know, there's like the the couple minutes of doubt and I'm like, all right, just take a few breaths and this will be fun. (laughs) Right. And so that's what I get to teach. And that I think is why I'm able to do what I do. Me personally, as this planner girl, is that I have because of my improvisation training. So that voice that you're hearing uh, is, so in the Zen of Improv parlance, that we use at Happier Valley Comedy. I call that the evil mind meanie. And that's <laughs> the voice inside your head that's constantly conjugating to suck. I suck. You suck. We suck at this. They all suck. So it points at other people and it points at yourself the most. We suck at this. Um, everything is going to be bad. And it's the voice of unhelpful judgment. Now, there's a voice of helpful judgment that's really important to listen to, right? That's the voice that says, put on pants before you leave the house. You know? <laughs> Don't punch your husband, even though he really seems to be asking for it. Um, begging yeah. some days. Begging, begging. It's like, do you want me to smack you? Do you want me to leave you? Like, what, what's happening here? So you don't, you don't do that because, and that's the voice in your head that you should listen to <laughs> all the time. Um, But you know the difference. The unhelpful voice is telling you uh, that you can't do something. We name him Calvin. That's just this (laughs) random name that we came up with. Uh, 
I hope for the I hope for the sake of like sanity, you've never had a student named Calvin. Well, so that's interesting you say that because we it, he used to be called Kevin. Uh, because apparently K is the funniest letter. So I just randomly picked the name Kevin. And then a Kevin came into our school. Uh, so I had to rename it Calvin. Um, so we call him Calvin in hopes that there's nobody else named Calvin. I do have a student whose son is named Calvin. But in that class, we call him Mr. Hausenfraus. It doesn't matter. Everybody has a different name for this voice. I have one that deals with body issues. Her name is Brittany. Um, so it, you can call it anything you want. Mine is the itty bitty shitty committee, and I right. I always right. picture them like the British House of Parliament, where they're like banging gavels and everyone's going crazy. Well, the thing to know about the itty bitty shitty committee is that they are one hundred percent liar, liar, pants on fire, wrong, always. <laughs> they're always lying. There's nothing that they are telling you that is true. Those are all beliefs. They're not facts. So. We practice in improv, like we're doing this constantly. This is always uh, the agenda that runs under, the subtext that runs under everything is how to quiet Calvin's voice, to recognize it. And we say thank you because he's trying to protect us. That that committee is trying to keep you in a safe place. They're wrong, but they're trying to keep you in a safe place. And so we say thank you and then shut up. Shut up, Calvin. Or if I'm down south, I say pipe down, pipe down, Calvin. (laughs) Or if I'm just talking to myself, I say, fuck off, Calvin. (laughs) Because you must actually see a lot of fear in your line of work. Like when someone new comes to improv, like I know I would be trembling and probably my stomach would be gurgling and going crazy the whole time. No, it would be, it would feel that way for 20 to 25 minutes, a maid at max in my class. Uh, Because what you're imagining is much worse and scarier than what we actually do. What I train people to do is quiet their judgmental voice and trust that they are enough, that what you have right this second is everything you need to be a stellar improviser. And you can trust in yourself. We're learn to trust, you're going to learn to trust in yourself. You'll learn to trust in other people, which involves letting go, the big L word. And you can, yeah, biggie. And you can trust in the art form of improvisation to catch you. And that you'll live to tell about it. You like, will. Here, a- here we are talking. So unless you're a vampire or unless, you know, you've found some way to, to extend life beyond death, like you've lived to tell about it. And you've probably had the same fears early on yourself. Yeah, and still do. That's part of it. That's part of it. We have a really interesting uh, relationship with fear. So in some ways, we, pra- we practice quieting the fear. But then there's this other fear. The father of, one of the fathers of long-form improvisation, Del Close, one of his big mantras was follow the fear. Because that's where an interesting scene lies, is where it might feel a little uncomfortable. I don't know what's going to happen next, but I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, my my improv guru, Susan Messing from Chicago, she says, being brave is being scared as shit, but doing it anyway with the results of flying. Right. So you, Lovely. Right? And you can't be brave if you're not scared, because otherwise you're just being. Yes. Bravery requires fear. So there's this great fear that it's good to have, and then there's a fear that we work on quieting. And one of the ways we do that is very quickly, what would happen in the first 10, 15, 20 minutes of the class is I redefine failure and change the culture of the room. 
So mistakes no longer exist. Wow. Mm-hmm. Isn't that nice? That's awesome to just have this safe little <laughs> bubble, right? Yeah. So Pam, for people listening that hear that, how can that be extrapolated? And here I am using you know, math and statistics words to someone who hates numbers. <laughs> I, I like words, though. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. So how can that be extrapolated to someone listening, thinking, how can I invite that notion of releasing mistakes or sort of pardoning mistakes into real life? Well, aside from taking improv classes. Yes, that's the obvious. <laughs> Which I recommend always. Uh, I think improv is the answer to everything. So that's going to be always my answer. Um, the one story that I think of very frequently is the story of the Taoist farmer, or I call him the maybe farmer. Uh, you might know this story. It's an oldie, but a goodie. I love it. Please tell Do you want me. me to tell it. Okay. Yes. So um, there is a farmer and his only horse got away. And he has these three nosy neighbors that live next door. And they come running over and, and they're like, oh, my goodness, your horse got away. You don't, who, what, how are you going to do the chores around the farm? You have such bad luck. Everything is very, very bad. And the farmer said, maybe. And the next day, the horse came back. And along with the horse came a whole herd of wild horses. So where before the farmer had one horse, now he has many and the nosy neighbors came back, and they were like, oh, my goodness, that's so great. How wonderful. What good luck you have. You have so many horses. You're rich. This is very, very good. And the farmer says, maybe. So that afternoon, the farmer's young son, who was like in his late teens, early 20s, was training some of the wild horses. And he got thrown from one of them and broke his leg very, very badly. And overcome those nosy neighbors. And, oh, your luck is terrible. Every, <laughs> your son, who's going to help you with the chores? How can you do bring in the crops without your son? This is very, very bad. And the farmer says, maybe. And this is the last part of the story that I tell. Uh, so that next day, the army was coming through the countryside, conscripting young men to join the army. And, of course, they could not take the farmer's son because of his broken leg. And overcome the nosy neighbors. Oh, how wonderful. You're saved. Your son is saved. Your luck is very, very good. And the farmer said, maybe. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Buddhist stories. Yes. That's, that is one way that I use this idea of success or failure, right or wrong, good or bad, um, in my regular life. You don't know. Something happened. That's the thing that happened. How I judge it is what I make up in my head. That's not the reality. The reality is what happened. The rest is just a belief. And sometimes you lose, you don't get a job, your boyfriend breaks up with you, right? All these things that seemed horrible at the time. And you know, looking back, that's the best thing that ever happened to you. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that I hear in my work all the time behind closed doors is how much stress and perseveration go on around those expectations where 
because sometimes we we have those moments in life that are truly a lesson or sometimes I say dodged bullets, especially when it's ex-boyfriends. Um, <laughs> there's there's a, a gap from when that actually happens to when we sort of receive either the lesson or the perspective on what that means. And sometimes we never get it, right? Let's be honest. But it's... Or we haven't gotten it yet. Yes. Or it hasn't been delivered yet. It's it's in the works. It's being prepared. <laughs> <laughs> but how much energy gets sucked okay. from us, you yeah. know, just trying to... I can't even think of the right words. I'm, I'm bumbling here. Yeah, we're, we're like little hamsters on our mind wheels, just running, <laughs> running, 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 running. Oh, this is the worst. This is the worst. This is the worst. This is the worst. Everything is so bad. Uh, yeah, and I, I, I'm on that wheel constantly too. But what improv, what I, and so whenever I'm stuck there, I go back to improvisation. What would I do, right? Is this good or is this bad? Because the way I use it on stage, if somebody does something on stage, the only way it's a failure is if I judge it as a failure. And um, the audience fucking hates that, right? If I'm being <laughs> Judgy McJudgeson on stage, that's not fun for me. It's not fun for my scene partner. It's not fun for the audience. And I know it because I did it for like 10 years. So it's just, it was, yeah. And I still probably do it. But this was, I, now I can say to myself, that's a judgment. That's a Calvin. What is actually happening right here and right now? Um, and so when I'm stressed on my little hamster wheel or monkey mind, right? Monkey brain, some people call it. Yep. I use uh, capital, what I call capital C curiosity, this Zen idea of curiosity. And that is just asking the question, what would it be like not to be stressed right now? Um, and that doesn't, I don't want to answer the question. I don't have to follow the train of logic. Literally only asking that question I find to be helpful. I love it. So questions are kind of what I collect and throw in the toolbox along the way. And so that is such a beautiful question. And the fact that it doesn't need an answer, it's, it's nope. just that punctuation point. It's a, it's a comma in life, if you will, to get us to pause a little. Yeah. What would it be like not to be stressed? What would, what would it be like not to be bummed about this right now? Right? What would it be like not, not to be mad? That's it. Beautiful. Because yeah, because I um, certainly, like when you're late for something, which I feel like I'm, I used to never be late, but now I'm late all the time. Uh, and, you know, I'm driving and you're sweating and I'm sweating while I'm driving because I've got the in my brain and I hate it and I'm looking unprofessional and I'm going to get there late and blah. Um, I know Angela on the podcast, she talked about getting there a half hour and thinking of stars and dinosaurs or something <laughs> like that. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, but I don't, <laughs> I, I aspire to that, but I don't, but I will say uh, that anxiety that I'm having in the car is not helping me get there any more quickly. No, no. And you would probably appreciate this. This is something I, I use in my sessions when people are describing a situation where they were really freaking out. And I use this notion of, cause I was late for a friend's wedding one time. <laughs> it, I mean, there was an accident that added like an hour and a half to what Ooh. should have been an hour and a half total trip. So like I had built in extra time to like go see my gram while I was in the area and, and get to this wedding and not have to rush and be able to think about dinosaurs and stars like Angela. 
<laughs> maybe like I'm usually the person that's had the window down and my hair is crazy. So, you know, I could get myself together a little bit. And then we were, my husband and I were the assholes that drove by this outdoor wedding as it was just oh. ending. And like the bride and groom oh. were walking oh. into the reception. So everyone saw us be late on oh. top of it. Um, but it was funny. It was one of those moments I... I forget where I read this along the way, but in that moment, I decided I'm going to apply this and like, I'm not going to freak out, even though this moment is probably pretty freak out worthy. I'm not going to freak out because what does it do? But it's this idea of, I use the example, picture two cars of friends, you know, or you and your partner or whoever, there are two cars going to this wedding and you're leaving from the same place and you're headed to the same place and one car, you know, it might be like you and your girlfriends and you've got snacks and everyone brought, you know, I picture back in the day, like cassette tapes, you know, that we made, you know, dubbing songs off the radio or something. <laughs> it probably had vanilla ice on it. Um, we just want to have fun. We like yeah. did it on a loop. <laughs> exactly. But there's this one car that's like, we're going to make this trip an adventure. And then there's this other car that's like, we've got to get there. We've got to get there. We've got to get there on time. And if this doesn't happen and there's an accident and both cars hit traffic and like you have to then think at that moment, like which car is having more fun, right? Like the the car that's got like, you know, Twizzlers and you got the window down (laughs) and you're like, oh, fuck it. We're stuck in traffic, but we've got our friends. We've got snacks. We've got music. Like this is a great time. Or the car with like the two people like, freaking out about we're not going to get there and this is the way everything's going to go wrong. You know, like, which car do you want to be in in life? <laughs> and Right. And that's the energy you're bringing to the next place. So you could arrive yes. at the wedding uh, pissed off and, and you know, grumbly when that's the energy you bring in, like your little cloud, like the Peanuts character, right? Pigpen. Yeah, exactly. Or you could be the, the ridiculous chicks. Yahoo, Twizzlers for everyone. Sorry we're late, you guys. Party starting. Look like we got here at the right time. Um, and that brings up like my two guideposts in life, um, both on stage and off. So these two things that I'm always aiming for, one is joy. I want to have more fun than anyone. That's my goal in life to die having had more fun than anyone. Um, in yes. fact, my daughter, right. And so my daughter for her eight, my daughter's middle name is joy, uh, also actually. And that she got from my cousin who, Jackie, who I call my cousin's sister friend, um, <laughs> Because we've been really good friends since basically we were born. Uh, and we're just, you know, we're just like, yeah, those twins separated at birth. And her middle name was Joy. And because I was pregnant with my daughter back in the day, I couldn't go to her wedding because I was too pregnant. Um, so I gave, she became my daughter's fairy godmother. And I gave her Jackie's middle name. So Jackie Joy. Aww. And so my daughter... My daughter is Sierra Joy. And so for my 18th, her, for my daughter's 18th birthday, she wanted to get mother-daughter tattoos um, on our wrists that say joy, which we have, um, very sweet. I have tattoos anyway, so it's like, wasn't that big a deal for me, but I thought it was a brilliant 18 year old move to get a tattoo, you know, to be like, I couldn't say no to a mother daughter tattoo, right? Who would do that? Yeah, Who says no to that? Nobody, unless it would be like a mustache. Like I'm not going to do that. Get a t- mustache. My mom's tattoo. probably cringing somewhere though right now, going, "Oh God, I hope she doesn't hit me up for her 40th birthday." <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, now we both have Joy on our wrist. So that's awesome. So Joy is one of my guideposts. And the other one is easefulness, which is a word I may or may not have made up. Um, and that <laughs> We is, won't fact check for this show. Don't, don't fact, don't fact check. Uh, we'll just, we'll just go ahead and say that I made it up. Okay. Uh, so if it is in the dictionary, it's because I put it there. Um, <laughs> so easefulness is, is just that. It's not easy, right? Life isn't easy all the time, but it can be easeful. Uh, the idea I have for easefulness is, uh, the pic- the thing I always picture is being in a kayak, going downstream, taking the oar out of the water and just letting the stream take you. Being in the flow. You've been, you've done yep. that in life, right? So it's just like doors open up in front of you. Uh, not on the stream. That's a different metaphor. But, uh, you know, in, in life. Yeah, Unless it's, it's like, like the Dolly stream. There's <laughs> some sort of, uh, yeah, a lock, you know, when you have to go. Anyway, it's not. It's just, you're walking and there are doors. <laughs> or it's just like everything is easeful. You, there's, it's almost effortless, right? And that's another Zen idea of non-effort, non-striving, non-doing doesn't mean not doing it just means not pushing against the current Um, so I'm seeking where is the joy where is the ease and the joy and the ease is coming to the wedding uh happy and having and being at least bringing that yes yes because you don't know and also you coming to that wedding late like maybe it was could be the most horrifying thing in the world but also every time we do something like that. It gives other people an opportunity to understand vulnerability. Ah, oh, well, you know, remember that time Kara was late? I've been there, right? Or next time, boy, well, at least I wasn't late to a wedding. <laughs> yeah. Right? It's a, it gives you an opportunity. Uh, when I was teaching first grade, um, the fir- my first day of being uh, a, my own, a head teacher, Um, So my own classroom, it was a K-1 class, and I decided that we, the kids were going to make these beautiful strings, string decorations, uh, where you take a balloon, and then they dip string in glue, and put the stringy glue around balloons, and then it would dry, and we'd have these gorgeous string orbs decorating our classroom. Ooh, Right? So, and I'm like, five-year-olds, glue and balloons, what could possibly go wrong? (laughs) (laughs) And like a classic first-year teacher, I didn't test it out. Uh, So that's the first day of school. We're doing that. And it was messy and ridiculous. And uh, I put them up on the counter to dry and came in the next day. And they just didn't dry. I don't know. I I obviously made some mistake. You're crafty. You probably know what mistake I made. Um, but it just was a mess. It, the balloons slowly deflated, uh, and they just was this just awful, gobby, stringy mess. And so I, I was like, at that time, I was like, oh, well, the imposter syndrome is not a syndrome. Like, this, the, 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 <laughs> this the happens. Up. The jig is up, right? The kids know I'm completely incapable of being a, a teacher. So, you know, and I was just like, ah, that didn't go well, did it? And we kind of laughed about it. And sure enough, that became a touch point for the whole rest of the year. In fact, it was two years because I looped with those kids. So when something would go wrong in the class, they'd be like, yeah, but remember that time, Pam, and the strings and the balloons? Right? So that was always like, yeah, I gave them permission to make a mistake. It's not the end of the world. Oh, well. 
we go on. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. The, yeah, and at the time it felt like shit, but <laughs> which it's so funny because right, like you would describe yourself as a Type A woman, right? Hell yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Plus, so it's like you th- <laughs> yes. Why be an A when you could be an A plus? <laughs> exactly. How dare you settle for a hundred percent? But it's funny to hear, like, to listen from the outside because your audience was a room full of five year olds who are usually pretty forgiving (laughs) yeah they're incredibly forgiving they're like oh well now it can be this whole other thing right like i picture like their alternative uses for this failed craft project (laughs) door stops (laughs) just weird pieces of string hanging from the ceiling (laughs) yeah oh gross yeah that would have been awful (laughs) yeah so you brought up the imposter syndrome, and mm-hmm. I don't know if you realize, like, this is the virtual lounge for not just type A's, but also imposters and overscheduling addicts. For someone so focused on joy and so focused on easefulness, how has the imposter syndrome manifested for you over the years? It sounds like you had that moment in first grade, but I imagine you know, because it takes one to know one that as an entrepreneur, it's it's crept in there too. Oh my God, all the time, all the time, constantly. So we have two answers for that is like, one is the regular person, right? The non-improviser. Yes, I feel that way all the time. Um, I was, the corporate training program is new to me, was new to me. And when I first was starting out, <laughs> this lovely group of three doctors, three female doctors uh, from the local hospital decided to bring me in. I had done a workshop for one of them. And I was like, I didn't know what the fuck I was doing, but I went and just did my thing. And for some reason they liked it. So they wanted to bring me in for a retreat. Uh, I've never been to a corporate retreat and they called me the communication consultant. I didn't know what the fuck that meant, but I was like, <laughs> okay, uh, this happens to me all the time. So, and so we're, so we have this Skyped meeting, right? So we're looking at each other. And so they're talking about this weekend retreat and they're, they're saying stuff like to me, like, well, I'm sure you, you know, have a lot of tricks in your bag. And I was like, yeah, but you saw every <laughs> fucking trick I had at that two hour workshop. They fit uh, in a Ziploc. I don't know what you're. <laughs> exactly. I was like, I'll make something up for you. Yeah. It's just like, sure. And maybe some way I said it, they started laughing and they're like, don't worry, Pam, we've all got the imposter syndrome here. And I was like, wow. holy crap. Like three doctors and they weren't just like regular doctors they were doctor administrators and doctor teachers because it's a teaching hospital um they're very accomplished women in their field all different fields like in it yeah they're they're pretty accomplished and i'm like are you fucking kidding me why are we doing this we're all feel this way we all feel this way so Yes. And (laughs) I'm like, my, like, I want to like jump forward and like grab the mic or something. There's no way to like, for me to like reach through the wires and give you a high five in in real life right now. (laughs) But yeah, but a a lot of my clients are doctors and executives. And, you know, they choose to work with me because as big of a mouth as I have, I seem to be an endless well for everyone else's stuff staying discreet. And so a lot of my clients have referred to me as a secret weapon in the past, but I am endlessly amazed. This is amazed. kind of funny, but you're about to tell us the story. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah, well, I obviously <laughs> so can't discreet. name names or I can't. 
But I mean, considering that some of my clients are doctors and scientists and executives and these people that when, you know, and, and here's the imposter syndrome in my own life, right? Like I get their health history and I ask questions about their career. So I understand from the very first session, the kind of relationship they have with their career as, as part of our looking at somebody's overall health. And I am, you know, I see these like big fancy titles, you know, or sometimes the big fancy companies that these big fancy titles are tied to. And for a moment, I think like, and they reached out to me? Like, what What am I possibly going to tell these people? And then it's funny because when I talk to them, I hear the imposter syndrome in, in a lot of their lives as well. Yeah. And it seems like the higher we go up the food chain or the more success we achieve, like the worse it gets, which from the research it does. <laughs> so. Wow. Well, that's not fun. No. Right? Let's not do that anymore. <laughs> I know. We all agree just to, that's just a big fucking waste of time, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I, the improviser in me because of the improv training. So I feel that way and then I just do it anyway, right? So I'm constantly getting in these ridiculous situations. Like I was invited to a writer's retreat, uh, which is hilarious. I always wanted to do it. It was super cool and fun. And, and I said yes uh, because it's like, okay, fine. Um, I wasn't working on anything. But it was a free vacation at this very fancy house on Cape Cod. And, you know, I find myself there and with these other people who are writers. And I was like, I don't belong here. Um, But I still drank their wine and smoked their pot and had a real (laughs) lot of fun. So whatever. Do it anyways, right? It's like Susan Messing says. Just do it. Be scared and do it anyways. Uh, You know, that I love the Tina Fey quote. This is one of my mantras is confidence is 10% hard work, 90% delusion. Yes. Right. Which is a really like nice quantifiable look at fake it till you make it. (laughs) Yes. And that's Tina fucking Faye, queen (laughs) of the comedy universe saying that. Right. It's not just like, uh, right. Somebody who's just, uh, whatever. Anybody can say that, but she's so accomplished. She's the boss, man. So yes, every, everybody fakes it. And this, the, the idea is just to, quiet that Calvin voice that's telling you that you're not capable of doing this and just jump into the unknown anyway. And that's literally what we practice in improvisation. You just keep continually stepping forward and making it up, figuring it out as you get there. And the answer to how to do that is to pay attention. In what way? To pay attention to what's actually happening rather than what you are scared is going to happen or you wish were happening. Got it. So releasing all those attachments. Yeah, those are those are beliefs, right? What I wish, what I'm afraid of. What is actually happening? What do I see? What do I hear? What am I feeling at this moment, right here and right now? That's reality. And how can I move forward from this point where I actually am? Is there a particular check-in for you? Like, so if if someone listening is bumping up against something where they're feeling the fear and I think action is a big antidote to fear. Yes. Yep. So just yep. just fucking do something, right? Yeah, like stop talking like, about doing something. Just try it. Because even yeah, if it's we, a bust, that's it's what we okay. Practice. Yeah, that's what we literally practice that muscle. Just starting to talk. We call it follow your foot. Follow your foot. Just step forward because it needs to happen. Not because you have something good. Got it. So is there a way like in your own life, like as an entrepreneur, yeah. as a mom, as a wife, right, where you have these moments and you're just like, 
I, I know I need to do this. Like, I know I need to do this. Is there a particular question, a particular phrase that, that you go to? Well, so the, the example that's right now is relevant to me is somebody called me up and said, uh, would you be interested in doing a keynote address? in front of, um, all these people. And so like a hundred, whatever, 200 people and, um, and their potential, this would be good for my business, right? Cause I get up in front of them and I'm going to talk about improv and this stuff and maybe do some stuff and they'll be able to see how the through laughter program works and how improvisation could be a really valuable tool in their companies and in their personal lives. Uh, so of course I, I had to say yes, cause how can I serve the moment? That's one of the questions that we practice in improv. How can I best most be of service? And that gets me out of the space like, who am I to think, right? That's selfish. Who am I to think that I can do a keynote address? How can I, it, versus how could I best serve the needs of the moment? Well, I need to grow my company. So saying yes to this is how I could be best of service. Um, so I said yes to it. All right, so here's the thing. I don't know what a keynote address is. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think I've, ever seen one because I've never worked really in the corporate world for that long um good thing you know Angela (laughs) I know right Angela is a is a award-winning speaker and we actually teach a class together so we teach a presentation skills class uh, where I use improv and she uses her fantastic stage system to help women uh hone their voices so I take notes (laughs) where we just taught it last weekend and I was fucking taking notes uh to prepare for my (laughs) Keynote address. I did. I called Angela. I was like, what the fuck is a keynote address? Like, I've been in that situation. Oh, I was asked, and I was asked, uh, w- there's this uh, conference, this, uh, this national improv conference, and they asked me if I wanted to do, do, do a, plenary, a plenary session. I had to fucking look up what a plenary session is. What That's, is it? Just, that might be my I new know. fact of the day. Uh, it's just a talk. It's, oh. just a meet. <laughs> it's, it's just a thing where you stand in front of people and say stuff, uh, which apparently <laughs> is what a keynote address is, too. <laughs> I've never given a, I don't think I've ever given a speech, Uh, but I said yes, and what I'll do, oh, I did give a speech, I gave a speech last, last summer, Uh, yeah, it was for high school students, Um, yeah, Uh, I did that classic way of misusing a PowerPoint, so now I know, you know, why, how, one way not to use a PowerPoint, but anyway. um, (laughs) You've eliminated one of the bad options. Yeah, yeah, the one where you read from the PowerPoint that's bullet pointed, like that's not what you're supposed to do. Apparently, I learned that one. But anyway, uh, so so I won't do that. Um, I don't I don't know what I'm going to do, to be honest. So what I'm going to do is just start. I'm just going to show up. What usually what I'm thinking is at that moment to answer your question. What is just be me? That people seem to like that. I like when people are themselves. That's my great joy in life. I fucking love people. They crack me up when they are just being themselves. It just brings me so much delight. I love nerds being nerds. You know, I love smart people being smart. I love if you thought CPA stuff is super cool. I don't care about what you're talking about, but I love watching you talk about it because your pleasure and your authentic joy brings me joy. So I, that's my default. I can just go ahead and try and be me and I'll prepare what I can for sure. Um, and then I'm just going to wing it, I guess. I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do quite honestly. I'm not going to think about it until I have to. <laughs> <laughs> until it's like two weeks before you're like, uh Oh, yeah. 
and I'll do what I can do. One of one of the resources I will just drop this in that's really been useful, and Angela is probably sick of hearing me talk about this resource is a book called because I'm a book geek. Like if you want to see me in flow, it's like touching a bunch of pages in a book and having a Kindle going and all sorts of stuff. But a book called Resonate by Nancy Duarte, and she was the woman that helped. Al Gore put together an inconvenient truth and that presentation that subsequently became a movie. And it's just been such a phenomenal resource. So that may help you figure out, um, especially considering now I've witnessed you be such a storyteller. It's a lot about like kind of applying the formula that they use on like Hollywood movies to speeches to make them more compelling. But she breaks it down, and it's and there's some really neat examples. So hopefully that's a helpful resource. Thank you. And I yeah. want to applaud you, which like always feels a little bit like I've become everyone's mom. Like yay, trophies for everyone when I when I do this. But the fact that you have no idea what you're doing to the point you just described and said yes anyways. There's a lot of people listening that I think would shrink in that moment and be like, "Oh no, I'm not a, I'm not a, a, a keynoter, or yeah. whatever the the noun version of that is." Let's just say it's called a keynoter. Yeah, let's make up words. A keynotist. A keynotist. Ooh, that sounds so <laughs> fancy and literary. A keynotator. Yeah. <laughs> keep going. Keep going. Come on, Pam. <laughs> Any more? Queen of keynote. Ooh, I like, I like, I like royal titles. So, <laughs> but it, it takes a lot of guts to be able to say yes in that moment. Like, yes. And then hang up the phone and be like, I don't fucking have a clue. And I try to push myself in that regard as well, because that's usually when awesome things happen. Um, you know, one, if nothing else, you get out of your comfort zone. The speech may be a, when I've said speeches to bigger crowds than I'm used to or whatnot, like maybe it wasn't as much of a hit as I wanted, you know, a few years ago. But with more practice, it's gotten better. But at least getting out of the comfort zone is important. But I also know saying yes like that expends a lot of energy sometimes, right? Because like you say yes, and then there's like that, that our bank account of energy kind of goes down because we're like, and I have no idea what I'm doing. Shit. Like there's that feeling like after we we say yes. How do you manage that feeling? Well, so yes and is known as being the two big words of improvisation. Um, That is my training to say yes Um, And and I think of it as a spirit of yes and. It doesn't mean I literally have to say yes to everything coming down the line. Because I'm sure as you've talked about in your podcast, I think I've heard you say it. Sometimes saying no is actually saying yes to yourself. Yes. Right? So it doesn't mean, I don't mean literally saying yes. But the spirit of yes and, which sometimes does look like just saying yes to this idea, that is my training. So when somebody on the stage says um, oh, a basket of kittens. And I'm going to say, yay, oh, look at this tabby cat. Oh, it's my favorite. Oh, my God, that one has three heads. Cool. <laughs> uh, that's what Harry Potter, yeah, okay, so whatever. So then we, that's the end, right? I'm going to just trust that if I pay attention to the next moment, 
All I have to do is take the next little step. So all I have to do, so my training is to say yes. So she says, do you want to do that? It doesn't really actually take a ton of energy for me to say yes, because that's my, that's my training. Um, the after part of the fuck, that takes a bit of energy if I care to give it or if I have to, or if I want, yeah, if I get, or if it just happens sometimes, if I get sucked down that vortex of right hell, um, I did mostly, you know, like the, the keynote dress. Now I'm just, I used to use it. I think it's funny. It's hilarious. Uh, cause this happens to me a lot and we'll see what happens. Like the thing is, it's going to, it's going to be a maybe situation, even if, in the unlikely event, I go down in a ball of flames. Uh, it will be a funny story. I will learn from it. I will probably teach them something, right? Yes. Uh, I won't get, I won't, I won't I, maybe somebody's going to hire me, even because there's times that I think it's a total shit show and people come after me, up to me afterwards. It's like, that was one of my favorite shows I've ever seen you guys do. So I don't know what's going to happen, and it's fine. I'll just figure it out when I get there. So it doesn't take a ton of energy to, for me, I think, to say yes. I just do it. I just do it. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be fine. Don't we mostly, wait, hold on, do we mostly regret the things we didn't do or the things we did do? I don't know. Maybe it's 50-50 on that one. I'll have to work on it. <laughs> <laughs> So you're able to actually, what I'm hearing is you're able to manage it pretty well. Like you're, you're able to recognize that energy really quickly. For someone listening who may spend more time perseverating on it and attaching themselves to worst case scenario expectations and kind of just generally freaking the fuck out, what advice would yeah. you have? Shut up, Kelvin. <laughs> All those thoughts in your head are, are lies, right? I'm not good enough. I'm not going to be able to do it. Who, who, who am I to think that I can stand up in front of people and be an expert about this? Uh, why would they want to pay me any money to do this? Like all of that are Calvin's big fucking lies. None of that is true. None of it. Even a little. Like it might turn out being that you didn't feel prepared, but you don't know what's going to happen. Uh, so... Yeah, get out of your way uh, because that's the only stop thing that's stopping you from something spectacular. You don't know what's going to happen, and it will be just fine. You'll be fine. You're great. Great advice. Great advice. Thank you, Pam. People, <laughs> sure, people are awesome. People are so awesome. <laughs> I think most I days. Know. Yeah. I would say most, most days. I mean, most people that I get to be, or like my, I'm thinking about my students and uh, helping them step forward, like follow their foots and trust themselves. Um, they're pretty, when they're doing, when people are doing that and being their authentic selves, it's usually pretty, pretty terrific. Oh, it's amazing to see. Like you were talking about earlier, like there is, you know, when nerds are being nerds and geeks are being geeks and the cool kids are being cool kids and everyone's just kind of in their flow. It is really addicting to watch. Like, I feel mm -hmm. like sometimes I could just like shove popcorn in and just watch people being themselves. It's, yeah. it's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. And I might, the first four levels of improv that I teach 
like the first thing that happens when they come in the first class usually is I have them tell a celebrity encounter story, a story of you know, when they met us, anything as a celebrity. So could an author, a basketball player, anything that you think is a celebrity, somebody used their mom once. It doesn't matter to me because that's not the point. Um, but we go around, they tell this story, their stories. And I was like, everything you just did was everything you need to be a great improviser. Like they're telling stories. They're often poignant or amusing. Um, people are being authentic. Uh, they're, they get, they relax into the story eventually. And so I feel like I spend four levels of classes proving to them that they had everything they needed the minute they walked in the door. Why do you think feeling enough is such a challenge for women, especially? Yeah, that's a good question. (sighs) We are given that message, aren't we? No, it doesn't seem to be. I mean, there are people. It, it seems like I'm doing it. You're doing it. There, there are pockets of people that are reminding other people. Like I always say, you know, like I always work towards having people live a life spiked with passion and slathered with joy. That's how I <laughs> sort of talk about my work and like where we're going. And it's going to look different for every single person. But that's kind of the framework that I'm thinking about things. And one of the things I realized or hear, you know, people would go, oh, that's so cute, right? Like, oh, mm-hmm. that's just adorable that you think that. Yeah, exactly. But, it, it, but like, that's for other people, but like not for me, which yeah, always... really not enough. Yeah, which, which always kind of, it breaks my heart and then also fires up my like competitive, you know, gene. It's like... All right, I'm ready to take this on. Like this exactly, <laughs> exactly. I can't wait to prove you wrong <laughs> that you are enough. Um, yeah, I I think because people see like they so they look at me doing what I'm doing. You know, even just listening to this, right? So of course I'm presenting. I, I'm trying to do warts and all, but I'm not talking about the tedious days spent. You know. You get a, bring me to tears, like, because that's so boring. Or the stuff at the end of the day, when you look back on the day, and I was like, I'm so fucking tired. I was so busy all day. I didn't even eat lunch. I don't even think I took care of my body. Uh, and then my husband would be like, well, what did you do? I was like, I don't know. <laughs> Fixed broken links like, and, like, all this, like, crappy yeah, stuff. Yeah, nothing. <laughs> nothing you could even cross off a list in any, in any uh, substantial, uh, satisfying way. Um, so yes, people can look and be like, oh, she's got it together. No, if we only see one angle of a person when we're looking at them. So we're, we're assuming that they don't have the bullshit that's going on in our heads. They do. Everybody's got their shit and everyone's just doing the best they can. Why not just have more fun doing you? Why not? Why not just pretend you're enough for a while? See what that'd be like. Why not say yes? See what it'd be like. Hey, hey, you guys, you should say yes to something that you know you can do, right? That just the only reason you're not doing it is because it's scary. So if it's the only reason you're not doing it because it's scary, not like I'm going to die scary, but I feel like I'm going to die, but not literally. Um, So like if you're thinking about doing heroin, let's say no to that. But if it's doing some new uh, opportunity, say yes to that and then write Kara. And if it was a fucking disaster, 
let us know about it. And then check back up with us in four to six months. And if you still look back and think it was a fucking disaster, I will, uh, I'll wear a t-shirt or something and take a picture and put it on my website. It says, I was totally wrong about this bullshit. <laughs> yes, Anne's a piece of crap. <laughs> yeah, I, I think anyone, like, let Pam and I know, like, prove us wrong. <laughs> prove us wrong that saying yes isn't the way to go. But I should say, in fairness, in order, if you're doing the experiment, you got to fucking do the experiment. So that doesn't mean just say yes and then sit there thinking everything's going to come to you. You say yes, yes and you do the work. You hustle, right? You do what you need to do and you recognize the voice that's getting in your way and disregard that and the voices that are helping you, the energy that's helping you move forward. So you got to do the work. Yes. And I, I appreciate that. And it is hard to show up to a podcast, right? And sort of like, because we don't want we don't want this to be a therapy session where it's like we only talk about all the warts, right? And everything that goes wrong. It's 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 always a delicate dance that we have to do in these conversations and and but it's interesting. Well, the the interesting thing part the other thing that I find is very helpful for women that that improv helps us with is that idea that I talked about a little bit before is how can I be of service to the moment? So we do this exercise, say that everyone's standing in a circle and somebody stands in the middle of the circle and starts telling a story. And the idea is that we're going to pick up the story at certain points so that like a whole bunch of people are going to make one continuous story. And so what you do is you step into the middle of the circle, tap them on the shoulder and, and pick up the story where they left off a little bit before they left off. Actually, you repeat a few words. Got so it. the first impulse is the person standing there and uh, women are usually thinking, I don't want to interrupt them. Uh, right. Their story is really good. It's really good. It's going well. I don't, I don't want to, it's good. I I don't want to make, you know, like my story is not going to be any better. You know, my part of the story is not going to be any better. So, so I'm like, that isn't serving the needs of the moment. Cause imagine if you're standing in among this, in the middle of a circle of people making up a story, what are you thinking? Save me. Like for the love of God, I've been here for six minutes. Save me. Yes. Yes. And it won't be more like six seconds, but yes, yes. So in order to serve the group, your job, our jobs, is to get out there and save the person. So we play this game called Who Needs You Most, right? And, and, and that's one of this. And it's a, it, I'm not going to describe the game, but basically it's people doing stuff and me yelling, Who Needs You Most? Who Needs You Most? How can you be most of service to this moment? <laughs> like That's just basically <laughs> three minutes of that. Uh, so it gets in people's heads. So it's like, how, who needs me most? Well, I don't have anything, quote unquote, good to say, but Kara needs me to tap her shoulder. So that's what I'm going to do. All right. So, I don't, so that's taking myself out of the head of selfishness and into the head of service, which I think women feel more comfortable doing. Some women uh, feel more comfortable doing. Yes. Generalization, but generally, generally what I see. Yeah. So you, by interrupting, you are being of service. By saying yes, you are being of service to somebody. That keynote, that woman who hired me, she needs someone to do a keynote. I am being of service. I'm going to do my best to be of service to those poor people listening. <laughs> those poor lucky people listening, Pam. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> that is amazing. That is amazing. You have been such a wealth of information. I mean, I feel like we could probably talk for 17 more days, maybe. 
I would love that. Well, so look, can I tell you about my new project that I'm super excited about that hopefully it could be another place that we can continue this conversation off the podcast? Yeah. And I have some champagne questions. Which do you want to oh, do good. first? Okay. Uh, let me tell you about my thing and then you, we can end with your champagne questions because that's what you like to end with, right? Yeah. 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 Um, so I woke up. So first of all, I should say I have no time to do anything new. In fact, my therapist says to me, if you have some new, because I say yes too much, right? So if you have a new opportunity, you have to come bring it to our session. We'll talk about it. <laughs> so you, you got office. a gatekeeper. <laughs> I do, but she has terrible boundaries too, because she's like, oh my God, a feminist podcast? You should totally do that. I'm like, yeah, but I don't have time to do this podcast. She's like, I know, but it's so important. Okay, so I'm doing the podcast. Uh, so... Uh, because I have a podcast called Conversations with Funny Feminists. So that's one that she got me into. Anyways, so I woke up uh, New Year's Eve morning with this idea that I, what I really, I like the corporate development stuff. It's fine. It's not my pure joy, to be honest. What I really want to do, what, where the energy is being, what happens to me is most of my classes are women. That's sort of, yep. I always say women are my jam. Um, and I want to help women, especially in this day and age, in 2017, I want to help women trust their voices, trust that they are enough, and start speaking their minds with confidence. Yes. Right? That's, right? right? That's important. So I want to use improvisation. And I do this to some extent, but I want to bring it up a notch to re weekend retreats uh, and workshops that uh, all day in workshops that where women I use improvisation and I'd love Angela to do this Angela Lucier to do this with me too because I think uh, she has a great framework for helping women uh, decide what they're going to say once they've agreed to say it and so using improvisation for all of these things that we've talked about uh, to strengthen their voices so I want to do retreats they're going to be called females unleashing courage knowledge individuality and truth uh, if and I love up. the acronym because <laughs> that's kind of one of it. I have this great spirit of fuck it is one of the characters in my in my teaching. And the great spirit of fuck it is like, yeah, I'm scared. Yeah, I don't know what to do. And fuck it. I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> right? okay. uh, so, yes, females unleashing courage, knowledge, individuality and truth. Uh, and it's just uh, using improvisation and public speaking skills to help women trust that they are enough. And once they op step forward and open their mouths, uh, they are going to change the world because I actually think that's what needs to happen right now. Right. We need women very, very badly to start stepping up. Yeah. Uh, so my, yeah. Right. And I'm actually, I decided like I was supposed to teach this other workshop in March, but I decided, uh, this, we, this was recorded right in February uh, I decided that I'm, instead of doing the workshop I was thinking about teaching, I'm going to teach a personal development workshop called Nevertheless, She Persisted. Ah, um, uh, yes. And that is using uh, improvisation to help women strengthen their voices. Amazing. Yeah, Amazing. this is what happens. Yeah. And this is just being of service. This is what the world needs. Yes. And I... So you wouldn't know this about me, and actually a lot of the listeners and even my friends probably wouldn't know this about me. But If it's that you're not wearing pants right now, I do know that. <laughs> Sadly, I'm wearing pants. It's, it's really, it's super exciting here. It's, it's, a, it's a weekday. It's a work day. I'm, I'm in pants mode. Um, but one of the things that's deeply important to me is the notion of contribution. So hearing you talk about service 
it just it, it makes everything in my being sing because that's how I think about my work. Like I don't think it's work. I just think this person's come to me because they want to have a radically better life for themselves. And they're a little bit just like unsure of kind of how to sort of do that. But really for me, it's just like, you mean I get paid to contribute to making other people's lives better so they can go out in the world and make things and other people's lives better. And then those people can make more things cool and make everything better. It's, it's really amazing. And I, I hear that same thing in your work as well. And that's that how that's another way to get out of my own way, right? If I'm if I think about who am I to think, and I do, right? What the fuck? Who do am I, I to have a business? What do I know? <laughs> yeah, what do I know? But I do actually more than anything trust in improvisation. That's my that's my religion, right? That's my sacred being, and so I'm just a conduit for improvisation, and that's fine with me. Amazing. That works. Yeah. Amazing. So, Pam, it it sounds like improv is a hugely inspiring and useful religion. Literally, he used the word religion. I want to switch over to some of the champagne questions and just get a sense of who you are and what helps you get through the day. And one of the questions is, like, when you need inspiration to what or where do you go? And I think it's pretty clear to anyone listening that improv is, is pretty much your jam. Is there yeah. anything else that really just like helps you pick yourself up on a bad day? Yeah. So, I mean, this is improv related. So the, the one surefire thing, and it used to be like improv rehearsal and performing. Um, but because I have to produce at the same time, I'm like struggling with finding my joy on stage as much. And it's sort of, it's going to go up and down. And I'm just at a, there's a plateau. And I'm sort of like, sometimes I hate what I do on stage, but whatever. Uh, but where what makes me feel better, no matter what, is teaching improvisation. So I have to go out almost every night of the week and teach improv or rehearse. So three nights of the week, I leave the house at 6.15. Uh, so that's right before. Sometimes I see my husband for about 30 seconds, but usually not. It's usually dark out, um, and I'm tired because I've been working all day. So I make a cup of my new favorite tea from Trader Joe's is turmeric ginger, uh, Trader Joe's, feel free to send me a case of that. Uh, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and let me, We're let in me the manifestation going. zone here. Exactly. And the other part is the is the from also from Trader Joe's sugar free dark chocolate. Uh, so I take two squares of that and my tea, and that gets me out the door and down the hill uh, that I live on and into the classroom. And no matter what, after no matter how I come into the classroom, I'm usually tired. Uh, and sometimes frustrated with my day, I leave feeling better. If I come in feeling sick, like I'm get, about to get sick, I leave feeling healthier. This has just always been the way for me. Yes. Um, so teaching like, improv is a cure for me. Yes. There is something about being in flow. Like I remember having client sessions when I was recovering from the flu. It was like in a 24-hour period, I was like around toddlers hit a bunch of rest stops between Montreal and New Jersey and visited a, an assisted living facility. So it was like the hat trick of like picking up something gnarly and it lasted for a, a good couple of weeks. And I remember mm-hmm. having sessions and waking up and thinking, I hope I have something to give my clients today. 
And then just showing up to the session and, you know, within a moment or two, I was just like, how'd the homework go? And like, I just started asking questions and I literally felt like a different human after a couple sessions. Yeah. And sometimes I'm more successful than others, but in general, there are two other places that help me to reset also. I'm not a huge outdoor person. I mean, I live in the woods. I love it. I love to look at it from inside where I'm warm usually. But I do have, I do have a dog. Are you an indoor small... cat like me? I'm a, yes, I'm an indoor cat. Exactly. Um, and so, uh, but I, I have a dog with a small bladder. So I get to walk her uh, a couple times a day. And I will say that taking a walk is so helpful for me. And it's not forever. I'm not an exercise person. I hate exercise actually. Um, but taking a walk, um, and it had, probably has to do with something about stimulating both sides of the brain. Um, I'm intentionally, I have to be away from computer screens for 10 minutes. It, it, I'll remember things that I was about to forget, you know, like, oh, I forgot, I, would ha- oh, I have to do that. You know, I, I refocus, I reset. So taking a walk is nice. And also the shower. Um, I'm one of those people who gets what I call Lucy Ricardo ideas in the shower. <laughs> What's a Lucy Ricardo idea? It's just one of my crazy ideas, like this, the females unleashing courage, knowledge, individuality, and truth. Like, this is a Lucy Ricardo idea. I'm going to do retreats. What the fuck? I don't even know how to do it. And everyone's like, well, what, where are they going to be? Who's going <laughs> to host them? Where are you going to have them? Uh, what kind of hotel? I'm like, I don't know. It's just something I thought of. Um, so, so I usually have those ideas in the shower. So those are the three places that are inspiring. Yeah, the shower is amazing. It, it, it's weird, right? I wonder why. Yes, that's where a lot of good stuff happens for me. When I'm, when, like you, when I'm walking. For me, I'm a really kinetic thinker. So I think the walking is just when I'm moving. That's when ideas percolate faster, better, clearer. It's um, so weird because I'm, I'm, I'm just, in theory, quite a lazy person. So you'd think I'd get ideas <laughs> just by snuggling on the couch. That's my happy place. <laughs> Life. And so you you mentioned having this dislike of exercise, which, you know, is, is something I love, for example. You love exercise. I love exercise. Mm-hmm. Again, yeah. the kinetic person. Yeah. Like sitting, mm-hmm. I realized, I mean, one of the reasons, one of several reasons why I'm not a CPA making financial models and bouncing what if questions through Excel and things like that was being in a windowless conference room for hours on end and not being able to really move much. I just felt myself get stupider, like not being able to move around. So now like I wear really comfortable, like loose clothes all day when I'm working and like between my sessions, I'm jumping on a trampoline or doing jumping jacks for a few minutes or kind of just stretching something or or moving around just to kind of ironically like that helps keep me in my head in a lot of ways yes definitely definitely um so recognizing styles i'm saying yes definitely for you (laughs) you're like just don't make me do that (laughs) (laughs) kara don't come to western mass and make me do that no, I'll just say no. I mean, yeah, our friend Angela, Lucier, she loves hiking. And so when we were first becoming friends, she's like, and I love hiking. I was like, great, I'm not going to be that friend for you. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's funny, so many times when Angela and I hang out, it's, hey, do you want to meet me for a walk? Yeah, So that's I know I can sucker her into walking and talking. And same with Sally. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's nice for you guys. Uh, but, call call me when you want to eat chocolate and drink wine. I'm that <laughs> that, I'm that sounds friend. pretty good too. <laughs> I'm that friend. So, anyways, I'm <laughs> yeah. I'm babbling about an impactful habit for myself, you know, because me, 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 me. What are impactful habits for you? Because you are busting ass on your business. You're teaching. You're a mom. You're a wife. Like that's a lot of roles to juggle. What what habits help you? My keep- mom lives with me. Oh my god! And you're a daughter. So that's like five hats, and I'm sure there's more. What are some of the most impactful habits that help you keep it all together? Or, or die trying, let's say. I, I won't put you on the pedestal. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm always going to go back to improv. It really is. Like, I literally, when I come to a crossroads, when I don't know what to do, when I'm losing my shit, it's only because I've forgotten the lessons of improv. And yeah, it's like, this just a broken record. It, it really is my personal touch point. I can't, I, the other impactful habit that I haven't been doing, but I need to, I know I need to get better at is taking time off. Um, so that's where I am in that part of the journey, because, you know, you, I bet you relate to this and everybody and most people listening is, is that you, you get into this. Somebody very early on says, the more you work, the more you work. That's what my friend Angie said. The more you work, the more you work. Right. So and I was like, I don't know what that means. The more I work, the more I get done. Um, but it does. It's not. It's not how it works when you're running your own company, at least. The more I work, the more I work. I like there's always going to be a hundred thousand things that I need to do at the end of the day. So, and though, if I take time off, like I took off four days to be with my cousin, sister, friend over Thanksgiving, it took me two and a half months to catch up from that. That fucking sucked, right? I work seven days a week often, um, but I'm trying to take time off. So that is my goal. To my, my 2017 goal is to take weekends off or at least one day a, a week off. Because that seems to help. But I think I should take more. I should take like a good four or five day chunk every now and then. Well, there should. And then there's kind of recognizing like for you who's been working seven days for what? Since the great experiment of 2014 began? Uh, probably before that too. Yeah. When I was yeah. So like going from like, I'm going to take both days. Like that probably feels pretty heavy, right? It feels scary, yeah, because what's going to, I know that it's going to be so nasty, but it, when I get back, but I, it, I feel a lot better. Like, I did take some time off I, when I was in England after that conference uh, that I was out there. My husband and I took our first vacation together uh, without kids since the kids were born, so tw- 20 years. Um, and I really took it off, and um, I felt so much better. Like, my whole stress level went back down to baseline um and i've slowly been working up since then since august um so yeah i want to get back down to that and i think the only way to do that is to take some time off that's an amazing observation and it's one it's one that comes up in my work a lot because you know when i suggest something as blasphemous as maybe you're working too hard (laughs) right like my type a my type a clients are like what the what are i i hired you to help me like do more like what kind of sacrilege are you talking here (laughs) 
I call it the B word, balance, right? <laughs> when the doctor says balance to me. I want to fucking slap her so hard. I was like, fuck you, right? And then and I, she's a working mom. So I was like, so seriously? Yeah, balance. What is that? Yeah, I don't, I don't know that I necessarily believe. There's something about that word that never has fit right. Like I feel awkward using it a lot. But I think... I think what you're talking about is just like recognizing like, or or actually let's back up. What did you notice when you took time off? Like, what did you see as the benefits? Like you mentioned the stress level. Was there anything else? Great question. No, it was like, literally I stopped feeling like I was on the verge of a panic attack. That's pretty extraordinary. Yeah. Because panic attacks are real, really fucking crappy. Sucks. And it took a while. And like, so it wasn't like an easy, like, oh, wake up one day. My husband's like, you got, you know, he's tries really hard. And then sometimes like, shut the fuck up. I'm doing fine. My work is my joy. <laughs> um, right. <laughs> <laughs> there have been tears yeah. in this house, but I love my work. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but we were in Bath, England, Bath, England, where they have these, um, baths these roman baths and there's this if anybody if if you have a chance to go highly recommend it i have been oh did you go to the spa there have you been recently no i went when i was uh 16 17 so it's been a it's been quite a it's been a long time so now they have this three-story spa there and i'm not a huge spa girl like to me when someone says spa is like oh that's reeks of elitism and and privilege um but like the, the roman baths are like what got Bath its name and we're spending a week here so we should do it and he bought the ticket so I don't like wasting money so I was like I don't want to go which I do that a lot so we went (laughs) and you have to you soak in these baths which is really a huge pool actually of this stuff and everybody was so blissed out like you see moms and daughters with their noses together giggling and Tons of canoodling <laughs> between couples and people are just like laying there floating in this stuff. And, you know, I'm still like, and then they had this in the second floor. They have these huge steam rooms and each of them has a different scent. Um, and I'm also I'm, I get cold a lot. So this like this is so warm. I've never been this warm. It was so lovely. So I go into the steam room and it smells like lemongrass and ginger or let's go to the one that smells like sandalwood let's go to the lavender and the eucalyptus oh i feel so healthy now uh and then the top floor is on the roof and there's another lovely mineral bet pool and they have these noodles because you're just like you it's just too much stress to even swim just (laughs) you just flop on it it's lovely and you're looking out over this gorgeous city and there are people of all different races and nationalities there because it's Europe, right? So people speaking different languages and it's like, it's a small world after all. You know, it's like, so so by the end of that, I was so blissed out and happy, but that's what it took to get me back. And we went again and we went twice actually because I was like, I need another dose (laughs) (laughs) before I go home. That's amazing. That's amazing. Oh, and, so and we got high the second time. So it was like I am getting rolled. 
<laughs> Until the paranoia sets in. <laughs> no, it wasn't. No, it was great. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. I have to say, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this. So uh, actually, weed is another new <laughs> impactful habit that I have. And this may or may not be healthy. It's legal in Massachusetts. So yes. I'm not breaking the law by any means. Um, but the new kind of weed, uh, you could get the kind, a strain that's literally useful for someone who feels stressed out or it is helpful for my insomnia. Um, and that is like a, that's just like, it helps me. I don't know. Maybe this is unhealthy, but it, it, it doesn't feel it. <laughs> it just helps me relax. And then I can reset and start again. So that's what helps take the edge off for you right now. Like, it really does. And I only have a couple night, one like one or two nights home a week. And it's like having a glass of wine, right? In Massachusetts, it is now. <laughs> yep. Yes, it is. <laughs> Pam, you're amazing. I love like I love the unexpected. And thank you for bringing it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. There you go. <laughs> no, do not apologize. I love it. And I, I had to almost like laugh when you're saying, I don't know if I can say this or not. And I'm like, what what is she talking to another host? <laughs> like, whose show is she on? <laughs> Anything's welcome. Pretty much okay. anything flies here. All right. Well, get yourself some strawberry cough. <laughs> <laughs> so my next question it seems so funny now because it was around. You know, we all need tools. We all have systems. We all have processes. We all have these things that we use to help us get stuff done. Basically, right and. I want to know what is one of your favorite tools, apps, gadgets, or resource? And now I might have a different answer. I might be expecting a different answer after that last one. No, you like this one. Uh, but yeah, so for sure, a nice relaxing strain of weed is helpful. But I, the, the, my new favorite thing is uh, an app called Insight Timer, uh, which is a meditation app. Uh, so I, in theory, don't like to meditate. Uh, just because it's too quiet and in my head, like my meditation is improv. Like that's, I practice mindfulness uh, in improv games. Like I literally teach mindfulness through improv, but insight timer, they walk you through. So I'm not alone in my head. My daughter got me a really cool headband that has earphones in it. So I can lay on my side if I want to. So I'm going to sleep. I, I put in one of those meditations. It might be it helps you fall asleep. It could be one on letting go. There was this. There's this really cool one that uh, it's twenty days, twenty twenty vision, something like that. Twenty days for peace or something. And the first day is one minute of meditation, guided meditation, and the second day is two minutes of guided meditation, and it works you all the way up. Whoa! For, to 20. Yeah, it's really good. Twenty minutes of guided meditation. That same teacher had a ten day program for gratitude. And so it was like, they were like 10, 15 minute meditations. Uh, it would focus on a different thing. So gratitude for the home, gratitude for the people in your life, gratitude for your work, whether it's the work you have or the work you're wanting to uh, manifest. Uh, and it led to gratitude for the self, which is like the hard one, right? Yes. Uh, so that... Because Calvin. Because Calvin, yeah, exactly. But that app is... is kind of my new favorite thing. And it kind of helped my uh, issues with sleeping. So that was nice. So you use it right before bed as kind of a transition from the day is what I'm hearing. Yeah, half the time I fall asleep. Ideally, I fall asleep while I'm listening to it. Yeah. Got it. Got so it. Instead of thinking, right? Was my other, that's my other alternative. Yep. 
which is not useful for sleeping. No. And especially if you're an idea generator, because it's like, oh, my God, this cool idea. Well, I remember it. Oh, I got to I got to write it down. And then it, it pulls us away from actually wanting to sleep. Right. Well, and uh, that I, I think I have a whole different Kelvin that takes over when I'm laying down in the dark. And it's not even based in reality, because you ever had that thing where you're like, you're so stressed while you're thinking about something in bed. And then you wake up and you're like, what the fuck was I thinking about? That was nothing no, yeah it nothing. was peanuts <laughs> it was it was like i don't know, I'm so worried about it so why don't i just not do that thing or whatever like it felt so monumental at night um and then in the light of day it feels much better i so always that, joke that, that like i'm a completely different person between 1201 and 459 like 1201 a.m and 459 a.m there's something where and when we were living in western mass my husband was working basically out of new york a lot so you know, stacking up meetings and having to go down for a day or two. And there were a lot of times where he'd, you know, go to networking events in the city and whatnot after work. And then, you know, it'd be like nine or 10 maybe before he got on the road and maybe he was up early. And the standard joke and the standard joke in our house, I mean, I, I guess it's joke is a, is a loose <laughs> concept here, but it was always like, and sometimes like if he was really tired, he was really good about, okay, it's one in the morning. I'm really exhausted. I'm going to stop. I'm going to get a coffee. I'm going to take a little nap here at the rest stop until the coffee yeah. kicks in and then finish the ride back to Massachusetts. But would forget sometimes to tell me, hey, I'm going to stop and take, I'm going to be like an extra hour or two on this journey. And, you know, inevitably, like I have to wake up and go to the bathroom in the middle of the night and look at, the, you know, look at my phone, look at the time and think, oh, my God, the state trooper in, from Connecticut will be here any moment to tell right. me there's been an accident. Like, but at but at 501, I would just be like, oh, Craig's late. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I know that primal sort of nighttime oh, voice. That's weird. That's weird. <laughs> primal Calvin. Exactly. <laughs> and so Pam... Those are some tools and resources that help you. Here's a question, just because I'm always fascinated with this, is about managing everything you need to get done. Yeah. And I know this is probably a huge question, but what helps you do that? No, it's a good question. Because I have two favorite things. Well, one favorite thing, like my, and I've tried to turn Sally Eckes, name dropping Sally again. <laughs> Hope she's listening all the way to the end, bitch. We're just checking. <laughs> so how many times? Uh, I turned Sally onto this. Cause, so she counts, Sally keeps her to-do list on uh, post-it notes, which I, it tickles me because I call her grandma. Um, <laughs> but there's an app called Todoist, T-O-D-O-I-S-T. And it is so amazeballs. It is your to-do list. Because I was keeping to-do lists, but then you know when you have to make a to-do list of your to-do list, right? Because you yes. have the long-term one, and then you want for this project. And, and I, in the stacks of to-do lists I had, I forgot something super, super important. And I was like, okay, this isn't working. Uh, <laughs> so I got on to 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 doist, and it does all that for you. So you can make all these different categories, and then just look at what you have for today, what's due today, and it will line it all up. Um, now, the other cool thing about Todoist and that ended up being the end of Todoist for me was that you can share to-do lists with your team. So my assistant and I share a list. So all I do have to do is put uh, something on their list, and 
and I say like, what's the, is it a red flag, an orange flag, a yellow flag or a white flag? Like how, what's the priority and when is it due? I have control over all that. So, uh, and they can put their own, of course, on there too. And you prioritize it um, for each day. So I could put stuff on their list. Uh, so we have a place that we share our to-do list that's virtual. Now, they, my team wasn't as tidy about their to-do list as I am. And then it like, feeds back to yours, right? Exactly. <laughs> so I go on to today, and it's like the thing that Sally didn't get to, or she got to, but she didn't cross off. And my and I was like, okay, you guys, it would be really helpful. <laughs> um, and I'm not going to change that. Okay, so I had to give Todoist over to the team. And because of some glitch in the system, I couldn't get my own separate Todoist, or at least I couldn't figure it out. So I started... Wunderlist. It's a German app. Wunderlist, it looks like in American in English. W-U-N-D-E. Um, and that's another to-do that's another to-do list app. The cool thing, uh, I actually love Todoist. Uh, it's a, that one, I like the uh, capabilities of it. But the cool thing about Wunderlist is that when you check something off, it goes bing. So you get not only the all holy of check marks, but then you get like this little like ping. Yeah, and it will stay on there, but faded with a line crossed out sometimes. So it's like, ah. Nice. It's very nice. And then what stuff I didn't get to today, I just moved to tomorrow. And so, um, you know, I could, in theory, end with an empty day. And, and it's like there's some things I have to do every single day. So it just, I could automatically have it come up every single day. Awesome. So you're someone I'm hearing that deeply geeks out about task management like I do. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. (laughs) Just when I was hearing you get excited about the description of like how it works, I was like, (laughs) she's my people. (laughs) And I didn't even go into all the parts. There's so much cool stuff. (laughs) Oh, my God. Sometimes I'll send them little emails like, you know, it'd be really cool. (laughs) (laughs) Someone at Todoist is like, Oh, there's Pam Uh-oh. again. <laughs> That's right. Jesus, this woman needs to get a job. <laughs> Don't worry. I'm sure there's someone at You Need a Budget who's thinking the same thing about me and my budget app. And I'm like, you know what would be great? I'd oh really God. love this. Have you thought of this feature? I'm sure they're just, there's like a picture of me, you know, from like my email avatar or whatnot. And they're like, don't, don't take any more emails from this woman. Pam, this is going to feel like, I don't think there's an easy way to segue this, or maybe there is, and I'm just not that creative. We've been talking about what helps you get get your shit together and, and keep it together. We've talked about how many ways, and honestly, I've learned a ton of stuff about the practical applications of improv. And I know you've talked a lot about working with women. And these next three questions, I'm still not entirely sure why I ask them. And I've been asking them of women for a couple of years now. And I, I have to feel like it's it's going to be something for me down the road. And I just don't have all the details yet. Yep. How do you define being a modern woman? Yeah, you could, that could be a book, right? <laughs> it probably could be. A little piece of history. Um. And that is, that is a tough question, right? I think I define being a modern woman is a woman who's living in this time that's actually happening right now versus a woman who's living in the past, right? You know, those women who's still wearing their 80s haircut, right? 
or a woman who's living in the future. You know the way we should be. You know, way I mean, I'm not, it's all good. We should be moving towards progress for sure. But you have to start from where we are right now. So I think a modern woman is like this is where we are as women, where I am as a woman right now. That's a modern woman, accepting it and moving forward. Awesome. Okay. And based on that definition, what would you like to see modern women give more of a shit about? Oh, and I think modern women probably wear sweatpants a lot or yoga pants, <laughs> right? Yeah, oh, As oh, I sit modern. in yoga pants in the, <laughs> at this moment. <laughs> or, uh, yeah. Um, what, what should modern women give more of a shit about? Yes. Modern women, I, this, and this is something I felt strongly about. I'm feeling increasingly strongly. I am one of the many uh, who is newly woke I thought I was woke, um, and I didn't realize that I wasn't, and now I am. And I really think modern women need to give a shit about um, this country and the direction it's going in. Uh, I run a, an, a Facebook group called Seven Minutes of Justice, where all I'm asking, and I, I run it with a team of people now because I couldn't do it on, on my own anymore. Um, all we're asking is for people to give seven minutes a day in daily action for something that's going to help our country move forward. Um, and, it, and we give everybody, we, I, I say our demographic is a newly active, newly woke, shy, lazy person. So we're <laughs> going to give you everything you need with no excuse. And so we're going to make you those seven minutes that you're going to help out uh, the most efficient as possible. So we're going to give you the contact information. You don't have to click through to another page right there, the phone number or the email address or the Twitter handle. We're going to give you a script, and if you want some background information, we can give you that too. Uh, and so I really want to see women give more of a shit about what this, and I think they are, uh, where this country is going, and fucking open their mouths and say their, their voice. Open their mouths and let their voices ring true. Say, tell your story. Tell us what's important about you. Uh, pick up the phone and call your senator and your representative and say, uh, I'm a mother of two, and my husband lost his job, and I'm, a I'm and I have Obamacare, and I want to keep it, right, or whatever, right, or yeah. I'm, a, I'm a horrified by the what direction our country is going in right now, and I am deeply opposed to this, that, and the other. Who, and, and you can say, and you can listen to Calvin, who's saying, who cares what you think, but guess what, if every single person listening right now devoted seven minutes every day, we could change the world. Yeah, and I'm I'm definitely another member of the newly woke society. And I hate calling people on the phone, which probably sounds nuts com considering that I work on the phone or Skype with my clients for sometimes, you know, 6 hours a day. It it probably sounds bananas, but the idea yeah. of calling like some staffer, like the first few times I called was like what the hell do I say? And, you know, the first couple times they were like, well, what's the bill number that you're calling in reference to? And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> I was like, all right, botch this one up. But yeah, it's, it's, but it's really amazing. And I love what you're doing. And you make it so practical and so easy. So I encourage anyone listening who feels concerned and maybe has been posting on Facebook and all a flutter and 
looking for a way to plug in that's easy. Maybe you're not ready to go to a town hall and stand there and take it on. Maybe you're you're not ready to go to a march. But, you know, just even contemplating these small actions that can be done in under seven minutes, just like those seven-minute workouts. <laughs> right. And, I, and I'm an extrovert, and I also don't like picking up the phone also. I get it. I went to my first march, right, at the Women's March time. I just did the – I had to work that day, so I did the Northampton March uh, in Massachusetts, my local march with my mom was there, my husband was there, my daughter was there, uh, and it was their first march too. Um, yes, going to a town hall scares me because I don't know what I'd say, but you know what I can do? I can stand next to somebody else and just have another person present. And I'm just by standing there, I give them courage to have their voice, um, be elevated. So yes, it's scary and you can do it anyway. Yes. Yes. And only seven minutes won't kill you. (laughs) Well, it won't kill you because what are you like? We're spending seven minutes, uh, on Facebook, right? Yes. Anyway, totally wasted. So that's what women should give more of a shit about. Conversely, what would you like to see women give less of a shit about? Well, I bet you get that answer a lot is just like they need to give less of a shit about what other people are thinking. Um, It's a popular one. (laughs) Yeah. I'd like to give them less of a shit about what Calvin is saying to them. It's not just what other people are saying. What, What are they saying to themselves that's holding them back? Um, what's Calvin saying? I wonder what it would be like to give less a shit about that. An amazing question. And I challenge listeners and I'm going to challenge myself too, because there are definitely moments where I'm throwing punches in there that it's a great challenge and it's a great question to take on. So thank you. Yeah, And again, you don't have to answer the question or follow the line of logic. You just ask it. There's power in that. Yes. In my experience. And Pam, I, I want to let you have the mic. What would you like to say to Le Vital Core Salon listeners? I know we've gone kind of all over the place, but what's important a note for you to leave us on? And I've said it, uh, you are enough. You are enough. Just you being you. I call it your Eunice. The why it's spelled, <laughs> it's, it sounds dirty, I know. Uh, or it sounds like an old lady name. One or the other. Right. Well, same, same, right? Either sounds like something that you'd cover in your bathing suit region or an old lady name. <laughs> um, it's spelled Y-O-U-N-E-S-S, the thing that makes you, you. And we love your Eunice. <laughs> we love the thing that makes you, you. Um, so you're fine. You're doing great. Let it shine, baby. Awesome. And Pam... For people listening that want to actually connect with you, what's the best way to do that? Uh, they could email me at pam at happiervalley.com. So my two websites, my business website is happiervalley.com. And that's the business with the shows and the school and the corporate training and personal development workshops. And then my personal stuff where I get to say fuck is on... <laughs> and have titles has, way too long. Very important, right? That's mostly important, is on pamvictor.com. And on there, you can find my Zen of Improv essays, my Geeking Out with interviews. Uh, the podcast is on there, some little videos I've made, stuff like that. Um, all that is on pamvictor.com. And my book is stuff like that. And I will make sure that everyone has links... To all of those sites you just mentioned, 
and I want to encourage you to check them out. And for any of the resources or books or things that we touched on or you know, we'll we'll link to Sally and Angela so you know who the hell we're talking about if you haven't yeah, checked out the that. earlier podcasts. So I'll have all of that prepared for everyone on the, the show notes page. And Pam, I, I again, I'm still blown away that this is the first time we've actually connected and, and spoken. And I am so grateful to have this time to learn from you. And I have to say, when I think of the word improv now, my stomach doesn't kind of want to barf a little. So I, I take, I, I feel like I've moved closer you down the continuum. The Will you write that as a blurb on my <laughs> testimonial? <laughs> but I have to say, when I was, when I was preparing for this interview, like there was so many layers of the onion that I just, I, I didn't realize about improv. Like I just thought it was more for the theater kids and I was never that kid. So I'm I'm definitely I'm definitely psyched and I definitely want to know when you're doing a, a, a one day workshop so I can toddle up. Awesome. Awesome. Well thank you again for being here, Pam. Thank you so much for having me. Take care. You too. This is Kara again, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. All of today's show notes can be found at levitalcoresalon.com. So that's any names we mentioned, any resources we mentioned. They're all right there, so you don't have to worry about scribbling stuff down. It's already typed out and easily clickable for you. If you dug today's show or even a past show, Please support La Vital Course Salon. One of the best ways you can do that is by going to iTunes and rating and leaving a short review. It literally takes a couple of minutes, but it will help other people find this show. And new shows will be up on the second and fourth Wednesdays of each month. So if you're wondering what that timing is, that's what it looks like. And before I bounce, I want to give a big merci beaucoup to my producer, Craig Snyder, and to Rishi Deer of Elephant Stone for writing, and the High Dials for performing my most excellent theme song and all the music you hear. And don't forget, you deserve a life spiked with passion and slathered with joy. Don't let burnout or bullshit slow you down. See you next time.